Hey everyone, this is Dorinda Wilson. Welcome to this week's podcast. I am so thankful that you've decided to spend a little time with me. Today I'm going to be talking about a topic that seems to be on many parents' minds right now, including my own. The topic that I chose is, is there hope for my kids in a world that seems to be falling apart? You know, we look around, we are on social media, we read the paper, we listen to the news, and we can't help but feel overwhelmed by the amount of unrest that's going on, the, div- the division in our own country, the wars going on in other countries, the I think part of it is we are more exposed to what is actually going on than we ever have been before because of all the modes of communication. But today, what I want to do is I want to bring a message of hope to you as parents and as homeschooling parents. So I encourage you to listen in and hear what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart to say to you today. But before I do that, maybe you're a new listener and you don't know me. Um, I am a mom of eight kids, uh, five boys and three girls. Our oldest is about to turn 28. The youngest is 14. We have our sixth grandbaby coming in June. And we are very excited. We love this grandbaby stage. It's really fun. We also have been homeschooling for over 23 years. So we've still got three who are homeschooling. One is graduating this year. One is graduating next year. And then we've got kind of a little uh, caboose who who graduates a few years after that. So that is who we are. I'm married to Daryl. We've been married for almost 30 years. I can't hardly believe that, but it's true. And I am just excited to be here. I'm excited to hopefully bring you some words of encouragement and some reminders of things that I know you already know, but boy, do we ever need to be reminded. So the problem we've got going on is we have got all of this craziness going on around us that feels like the world is on fire. It can be very distracting. Um, It can be very discouraging. It can bring out fear in us. But, you know, it says in 2 Timothy 3 what the last days are going to look like. Um, Can I just say that when I was growing up in the 80s, they were quoting the scripture then too. They were saying, boy, look around us. We are definitely in the last days. I remember my parents were investing in gold and investing in metals because, you know, the market was going to crash. And, you know, so, you know, it's, it's not unusual to be hearing these kinds of things. And, and it's, it's hard to know, you know, how much validity is it, is there to these things that our people are saying and, you know, how much do I prepare and, you know, what do we do to uh, you know, take care of our families and that kind of thing? But today, what I really want to focus on is I, I believe we are in the last days and we've been in the last days for a while. Um, I think probably things are going to accelerate. I don't really know. All I know is as a mom, I have got to stay focused and intentional in order to be able to raise up the next generation. I need to stay true and loyal and faithful to what God has put right in front of me. I cannot change what the president tweets. I cannot change what's going on in Congress. I can certainly exercise my right to vote. I can certainly sign petitions. I can certainly um, be outraged by some of the laws that have been passed recently that are okay with taking human life through abortion. 
These are things we definitely need to stand up for. But as a mom and as a homeschooling mom, we need to make sure that we are staying the course with our own children. And we can at times bring them into these discussions. And I'll be talking about this um, a little further down in the podcast today. But right now I want to remind you what 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says. And see if this sounds familiar to you right now as to what's going on. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Wow. Did any of that resonate with you? Can you think of things you've read in the paper lately or seen on the news or heard in social media that reflects these very things? I would say that more than ever, this is happening. But the question we have to ask ourselves is what what is our response as Christians to what's going on around us? You know, I mentioned, you know, being active as God leads, exercising your right to vote, obviously prayer. We need to pray, but we need to understand how these things affect us. How do they, how can they affect us? And, and, um, in negative ways, in ways that uh, keep us from being keep us from being effective for the kingdom, you know these things affect us. They can change the way we do things, and and this is where we need to stop and think about what what our response as Christians should be. Now, one of the things that um, I have been uh, reading lately uh, is is some great. Uh, writings by Paul Tripp. I really, really, uh, for some reason, how he writes and what he's writing about resonates with my heart. And it it feels like it's useful, um, very practical information that centers around the gospel. And one of the things he says is, how are we interpreting what's going on around us? So think about that in light of what's going on how these things that are going on affect us depend entirely on how we interpret them. And how we interpret them determines how we worship. Let me say that again. Uh, how these things affect us depends on how we interpret them. And how we interpret them determines how we worship because we were created to worship. You may have heard this before, but we are created to worship. It's what we were made to do. We are worshipers and we are always worshiping something whether we realize it or not. So let's think about that in light of what's going on around us. So as these things are coming at us, um, we're hearing things, we're seeing things. Now, personally, I do not watch the news. I typically don't read the paper. I actually do not pursue news in and of itself. And this is something I've been doing for a long time. And some people might find it uh, 
irresponsible. Uh, if there's something that I hear about and I, and I believe that God's compelling me to pursue more on it, I do that. But I don't typically seek it out because years ago, when our children were small, I remember struggling very, very deeply with fear, fear and anxiety about about and for our children, about and for their future. And I just felt like God was telling me, you do not have to watch the news. It is not a requirement. You do not have to know every little thing that is going on. He was calling me to press into him and to listen more to what he had to say than what the world had to say. And I'm telling you, I just prayed. I said, Lord, show me if I'm being irresponsible, but also if there's anything that I need to know about, would you bring it before me, bring it in front of me through a friend, through my husband? But I know that for my own heart, I needed to guard it carefully in order to be the mom that God was calling me to be. So if that's something that resonates with you, I wanna encourage you to listen to that still small voice and to pay attention to that because those are words of wisdom. That wisdom has gotten me through 20, almost 28 years of parenting. And I really believe it was a a positive, good decision, a wise decision that God called me to. The world might look at it and call it foolishness, but you know what? They do that all the time. The scripture says that the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world and vice versa. The foolishness of of God is wiser than the wisest man. So we need to set those thoughts aside and listen to what God is calling us to. Because what happens is these things begin to affect us. We can become fearful. This news that we hear, these things that we know are going on. And you know, as moms, especially, we are nurturing, we are relational, we are empathetic. And I honestly think to protect and guard that empathy, we need to not be overwhelmed with too many stories of tragedy, too many stories of things going on that are just heart-wrenching and gut-wrenching. If you happen to hear them, pray for those people and let it go. And obviously, if it's somebody you know and you can help and God compels you to do that, you should do it. But my point is just like the general, you know, 95% of the stuff out there, we don't know the people, we don't have access to helping them, but we can pray. But we're not seeking that out because we can become fearful. We can begin to focus on man instead of on God, which eventually, like I said before, this in this interpretation, we interpret these things and all of a sudden our focus uh, turns to man and we become idol worshipers. We begin to worship things that are not God, things we were never meant to worship. We can become anxious and unsure. Our faith can actually begin to crumble. And here's the thing, you guys, our children need to know that there is hope for their future. And if we are falling apart, they're not going to know that. We need to speak life. Yes, it's okay for us to feel um, the, the gravity of what's going on if we happen to hear about it, or it happens to be a topic of conversation with our kids. Um, we need to walk that road with discernment, though. We need to always know, we need our kids to always know that there's hope. And because we have Christ, we always have hope. And I remember as a teenager listening to older folks 
talk and they were so negative and they would say, oh, you know, everything's, the world's going to end soon. And, you know, it's just, you know, we're going down the toilet. America is just not what it was before. And that talk still happens now. And those things may be true. There may be truth to those things, but that is not what our children need to hear. Our children need to understand that they were born for such a time as this, that they were made to live in this time and God has a plan and a purpose for their lives. And as parents, it's our job to equip them as best we can. And obviously we don't know what God's gonna call them to, but our job is to equip them. And this is why we always choose character over curriculum, that we we understand that it's not the bookwork that's the number one thing in our homeschool days. It is the relationship with our kids and bringing our kids back to the cross over and over and over again and modeling for them what a life of faith looks like. And we're not gonna do that perfectly, but if they see that we constantly go back to the word and we constantly go back to God and we're asking him for wisdom and we're trusting his word and we're speaking his word as truth over the news, over what we're hearing through the grapevine, and we are speaking life into our children by speaking the scriptures and praying the scriptures over our kids. We need to be careful um, not to allow ourselves to unload all of our fears and our doubts in front of our kids. Sometimes those things are better off as an adult conversation between us and our husbands or us and our friends, um, us and other adults where we can pray together and we can process and work things out. Um, We can invite our kids into certain pieces of those conversations as the Lord leads. I think that's very important and it's part of that process. But I honestly believe we need to show, we need to protect our kids from despair. Okay, and we know where that line is. Hopefully we know. We pray for discernment that we know where that line of despair is. We do not wanna pass a spirit of despair onto our children. So we have to show them what it looks like to trust a real, powerful, loving, merciful, and just God, the God of the Bible. We need to protect them from topics they simply are not ready for, not ready to handle. And when it's time to talk about those topics, and I think it will become obvious, like for us, what happened was we protected our kids Um, As much as we could, you know, sometimes maybe a topic would come up um, at a certain age and, you know, you know your child better than anyone, whether they're ready to handle that. And you can even feel out the waters a little bit. But I typically would say, um, if I felt like they weren't ready, I would say, you know what? that is really just not something you even need to worry about right now. It would be like me giving you a big, heavy suitcase that you couldn't possibly carry and expecting you to carry it. I promise you, we will talk about this at another time. And if you have more questions and you really want to know more, you come back and talk to me. But, you know, you just go play and have fun. And I wanted my kids to have a childhood, to be able to learn to process their own thoughts in their day-to-day childhood activities before they were required to think those deeper, more, um, more frightening thoughts, covering those topics that are difficult to cover. You know, but this is where we're constantly praying. We're praying for wisdom in how to instill wisdom in our children along the way.
And a lot of that depends on your own family culture. It depends on what situation you're personally in, where you live, um, what your kids are exposed to on a regular basis that's maybe out of your control. You know, I understand this is what makes this topic so difficult is I don't want you to feel like you it has to look a certain way, but I do want to encourage you to protect your children's childhood and to remember that they only have one childhood and it's our job to keep that innocence for as long as God leads. But we, when it is time to talk about this topic, these topics with our kids, we need to filter them through the grid of scripture. We need to know our Bibles, guys. We need to be in the word. We need to be under good teaching. Um, Especially, I think it's important teaching um, that deals with the things that are going on in the culture. A lot of pastors are not wanting to cover these topics because they're such hot buttons for their congregations and can be divisive really quickly. Um, It takes a very courageous pastor to be willing to tackle these topics um, biblically and and through the word. So one of the things that I want to uh, encourage us to remember along the way, uh, one quick little story. One of the reasons that I felt like God was leading me to um, not watch the news and not be overly concerned with what was happening is that scripture in Psalms where David says, I have not concerned myself with things too lofty for me to understand, but I have stilled and quieted my heart before the Lord like a weaned child is my soul within me. Don't you love that? A child who is content to sit in his mother's arms and to allow himself to be comforted by the arms of that parent. And this is what we're doing when we're not concerning ourselves with things that are too much for us to understand. God understands that we're dust, you guys. It takes humility to take this type of posture uh, when it comes to what's going on around us, to understand that God is sovereign and he's in control. And these are the things I want to talk about in just a minute. But to remember that it's okay not to concern yourself with things that are too difficult for you to understand. And it's okay for our children not to have to concern themselves with things that are too lofty, too beyond them. So I just want to encourage you with that. And we need to always remember that ultimately this battle belongs to the Lord. It is his battle. We participate in a piece of that. And we obviously want to walk in obedience to that. But this battle, this big, huge thing that's overwhelming is overwhelming because it's his battle. He is fighting it and he's using lots, so many different people and so many different circumstances, so many different things that we're not seeing. And and this is something that I want to encourage you with. Um, If you are discouraged by what seems to be great division in Congress, um, there are things that we're not hearing about. And I want to share some of that with you right now in this moment to give you some encouragement. First of all, I read an article not long ago uh, written by someone who's in Congress. I can't remember who it was. But this person wanted to say, and this was a believer, this person wanted to say, you need to understand, yes, there is division. Yes, there is defi- definitely different ideas about um 
how to get to certain goals, but there is also a lot of good happening right now. And you're not going to hear this on the news. This report was that the Bible study that they is being held regularly for these congressmen and women is bigger. Well, first of all, I don't even know if it was happening before now, but under this administration, it is happening on a regular basis. And it is has such a variety of participants, I think it would blow us away. There are Democrats, there are Republicans, there are independents, all there for the sole purpose of growing in the Lord and being more on the same page. They don't necessarily talk about politics. They talk about their walk with God, their personal life challenges, because uh, the idea behind it is that when you see another person It's really hard to rip someone to shreds out on the floor um, when you're debating an issue, when you know that person, when you have prayed with that person and and been in the word with that person. I don't know about you guys, but this excites me to no end and it makes me realize God is doing so many things. John Piper said, um, God is moving all the time and you may see three things that he's doing when in fact he is doing 10,000 things all at once on our behalf. So just be encouraged by that. The other thing that really encouraged me is we had some dear friends come to visit who were over here in this area because they went to the prayer breakfast. Um, I believe it was last fall. I can't remember. I think it was last fall. They went to the prayer breakfast and they said it was the most encouraging thing they had been to in a long time. And so they saw so much that isn't being shown in the news. Um, There were Democrats and Republicans getting up and speaking and sharing their hearts and basically saying, you know, there were two especially that were best friends, completely different parties, but very good friends. And they don't agree on everything. But what they found was that they agree on a lot of things. They agree on the goals. They just don't agree on how to get to those goals. And so I thought that was just so fascinating and so encouraging. And they just wanted to say, there is a lot going on that is good that we are not hearing about. So I just wanted to encourage you with that. But here are some of the things we need to remember in the midst of all the negativity. We need to remember to respond in faith rather than fear. And when we feel ourselves becoming overwhelmed, that is a red flag right there. That we need to stop and listen for the Lord's voice. Is he telling us not to be concerned with this? Is he telling us just to pray about this and move on? Is he telling us... um, to turn off the news? Is he telling us to get off social media? Listen for his voice so that we can respond in faith rather than fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And if you're not experiencing that, that's a red flag. It's time to stop. God is getting our attention. And it's good. It's good that we feel these things. It's good that we care. But what is God wanting us to do? He's wanting us to respond in faith rather than fear. Philippians says, do not be anxious about anything. It didn't say, do not be anxious about anything except politics or except Trump's last tweet or except this new law that they just passed in Congress. It says to not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
So we're remembering what we've seen God do as well, acknowledging who he is, being thankful for what we have and what he's done. It says to, with thanksgiving, to present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It's not gonna make sense, people, that we can be at peace in the midst of this, but we can be. And as this peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is what we're doing, guys. We're guarding our hearts. We're guarding our children's hearts. I love the scripture. Um, I, Gosh, I don't have the reference written down here, but I'm gonna read the verses to you. It says, so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either. I believe this is Paul talking, even though I am in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show his grace through Jesus Christ. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. Okay, so do you hear what he's saying? Be ready to suffer for the sake of the good news. This is hard, you guys. We are not gonna be liked. Our children are not going to be liked. That is tough to take. We want to be liked. We want to be, we want to find favor with God and with man. But if it is at the cost of the gospel and the truth of God's word, that is a price we should never be willing to pay. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to prepare our children to be rejected because of Christ. And because he's called us to holiness, He's called us to live a holy life. This means set apart. I believe that we are going to have to really be set apart more and more and more. We're going to have to separate ourselves from the world more and more and more. This, I don't want this to sound weird. I don't want this to sound alien. I'm not saying we're gonna be like cult followers, but to some people, that's what it's gonna look like. They're gonna misunderstand and they're, they're going to see us um, like crazy people. And so our job is to continue to walk out the truth in love. We respond to these people in love and in truth. But he's called us to holiness. He's called us to be set apart. And it's better for our children to understand that, um, begin to get used to that concept as we're raising them for him. And to understand that looking different in this way is good. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. So we model this for them by walking it out before them. We need to go back to the simple truth that God is sovereign. You guys, pretty much the fact that God is sovereign and that he is good are the two things that I go back to every single time I am feeling overwhelmed and discouraged and wondering, what in the world am I doing here? Lord, why are we here? Why did you place us here? What's going on? I have to always go back to his sovereignty. 
So I wanna talk about his sovereignty and his goodness. I wanna talk about that for just a minute. The best place to be reminded of this is to go back to God's word. So I wanna read to you about his sovereignty concerning kingdoms. I think about this when I see what's going on in the government and in the world's governments, like the decisions that are being made at times that I just... I grieve over or I don't understand, and it feels like God is no longer in control. So I want you to listen to this with that in mind. This is Isaiah 40, 18 to 31, talking about God's sovereignty and that he determines when kingdoms rise and fall. Listen closely. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold? overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God, the words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and he brings them to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like a chaff. To whom will you compare me? This is God speaking. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up to the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood the Lord as the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Guys, this is where our hope lies. This is why our children have hope. We, have, we serve a powerful, mighty God who is working far more than we could ever imagine. We need to trust him and we need to trust him for our kids' future. Daniel 2, 21 and 22 says this. Now, I want you to remember what happened in Daniel, okay? Uh, Basically, these young men were taken away to serve this king who had taken over Israel, okay? Okay. So here young Daniel goes off to serve this king. And you know how God used him mightily. So this is what it says in Daniel 2, 21 and 22. He, meaning God, controls the course of world events. He removes kings and he sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise. 
and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. Don't you love that? It's not important that we know everything. It's important that he knows everything because he is sovereign over all of it. None of what we see around us that's going on right now, you guys, is a surprise to God. There is a grand plan unfolding and he is very aware and very in control of all of it. I want to talk now about how good God is. It's his sovereignty and his grace. And I I like to liken his grace and goodness as kind of the same thing. What I love about God is his goodness. Because you know what? If he were sovereign and powerful, but he wasn't good, the fact that he was sovereign and powerful would be terrifying and depressing. But we can rejoice in his sovereignty and his power because he is good. He is perfect in his goodness. Now, all over the Psalms, if you just look up scriptures on God's goodness, they are everywhere. Lots of them are in the Psalms. I'm just going to read a couple of them to you right now. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. That's what I'm trying to encourage you to do today. Take refuge in God. Let your children see you taking refuge in him. God says that is the person who will be blessed. Psalm 31, 19 says, how, oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. There's hope for our children, you guys. His goodness is abundant. And it is, he has so much good stored up for those of us who fear him. That means we put him on the throne of our hearts, not our fears, not the politicians, not the accusers, not the enemy's voice, not condemnation, not hopelessness, not despair. We put God where he has a rightful place to be, and that is on the throne of our hearts. Psalm 84, 11 says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So as we walk with him, we can be guaranteed that he is not withholding anything good from us. That means the difficult things that we walk through in reality are good for us. God is so committed to the work that he is doing in us and in our families that he is going to allow us and our families to walk through difficulty. Does that mean you're supposed to stop homeschooling? No, not if he's called you to homeschool. You keep doing it. You walk through that with your kids. I'm going to tell you right now, as a veteran homeschooling mom who's about to graduate her sixth child, the curriculum I used did not make a hill of beans difference. It didn't matter what I used. You know, a lot of times we have this dilemma over, oh, you know, which curriculum should I use? And we have all this, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? And we're just, we're in just angst over this. And we don't get, sometimes we get a clear answer because God is good that way. Sometimes he's like, no, you need to use this and we should use it. But sometimes we just, we really don't feel like we get an answer. And you know, one thing I've discovered, it's because it doesn't matter. He says, I will be with you 
whether you use this curriculum or that curriculum, the important thing is that my presence is with you and I will direct you and give you wisdom and I will teach your children and I will give them a teachable heart and I will help you teach them. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's his presence that makes all the difference and he doesn't withhold anything good from us. So again, looking back, all the talks we had about character issues, not hitting the behavior as much as trying to get to the heart of the matter, to understand and discern our children's hearts and to talk about that in our own hearts as we messed up in front of our kids Working that out with them, forgiveness, grace, bringing all of us back to the cross, back to the fact that we are sinners who need a savior and we continue to need him and we need each other and we show grace to each other like Christ showed us. This is what has made the difference, you guys, in my kids' lives. And it has, the fruit of it has, has had a ripple effect into the jobs that they're doing, into the roles that God has called them to, into the purposes that he's had for them. So I hope that helps give you some perspective. So if you're a family walking through a crisis right now, hang on tight. God is doing something great in your family and he has a plan and a purpose in it. I would share with you some of the crises that we've walked through, but I think I've already shared some of that in um, another podcast. So I encourage you to go back and look through, look back. I think I have one called Homeschooling Through a Crisis. I encourage you to go listen to that. It helps get some more of this perspective on it. So the things we have to remember is in the midst of all of this, we're remembering his sovereignty. We're remembering his goodness and his grace. We're also remembering, guys, we do not have to be perfect. We don't have to be perfect parents. We don't have to be perfect homeschooling parents or homeschoolers because of this all-sufficient grace that is on our lives. This sovereignty and grace is not separate from our math and our language and our art, and our history, and our science. This is all part of that. And we need to remember that in our weakness, either as students, maybe our homeschoolers have some weaknesses, but also in our weaknesses as parents and as homeschooling moms, stop focusing on your inadequacies or what you feel like are inadequacies. Understand God is qualifying you along the way. He does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He will qualify you for this day of homeschooling. He's not qualifying you for next year. He's qualifying you for today. You are qualified for today. So don't try to jump ahead. Don't try to borrow trouble. Think about today. Be engaged in today. Understand that you bring strengths to the table that other moms don't have. You bring strengths to the table that your children need. So excel in those, focus on those, let God use those giftings as you're homeschooling your kids. Also remember that in our weakness, he is made strong. Paul says three times he begged the Lord to take this thorn in his flesh away. Something was just there all the time that wanted to drag him down and bring him under condemnation. Each time he says, God told him this, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So we can actually rejoice in these weaknesses. So I, and so this is what Paul goes on to say. So I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. 
That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults. KGIs were going to be insulted and misunderstood. In the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that we suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Don't you love that? But it takes humility to take that posture as we walk through homeschooling, as we walk through parenting, as we walk through our Christian life. He has promised that his very presence will be with us no matter what. Don't you love that? The Great Commission, you guys know this scripture, but I'm gonna read it to you again because this is the last thing that Jesus told his disciples and I believe we are included in this message because we are his disciples. He came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, be sure of this. I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Jesus is there with you, moms and parents, as you are parenting and as you are homeschooling. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And I love this because we are making disciples. As we are homeschooling and raising our children, that is our number one goal. That is our number one calling is to make disciples of our children. As we face the future, I'm telling you, this is where it's at. We need disciples of Christ to be walking out what's coming down the pike. God has a great purpose and a great calling for our children. It doesn't mean that they're going to be on a big platform and have a ton of listeners. I don't know what it what that's going to look like. But the important thing is that we learn that in our sphere, and we teach our children that wherever God has placed us, this is where we minister. This is where we are faithful to whatever he has called us to. Even if it's a job we don't like, but we know we're supposed to be there for a while. I was talking to our uh, 16 and 18 year olds who were having some struggles at work and um, having some struggles with um, negativity in who, who was training them. And they are now um, being asked to start training other people. And they are taking that negative experience and they are taking it and they are telling themselves, I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to be an encourager. I want to give to the people that I'm training something that I didn't get that I really, really felt like I needed and wanted. And that was more encouragement than discouragement more encouragement than criticism. Don't you love that? And I looked at those two and I said, you know what, guys? This right here, this is walking out your true Christian faith. This is where the rubber meets the road. When you're doing the day-to-day and you are being faithful in these things, because as Christians, we are called to bring beauty and purpose and redemption God wants to use us to bring that to this broken world. That's what we're called to. And my children, we're doing that. My children are taking what was broken, how how they were trained, taking what they see as broken and redeeming it um, with with the Lord's help. And this is what it's about. Whatever sphere we are in, we set that example for our children so that they see wherever I am, I 
bloom where I'm planted. I please God where I'm planted, even if nobody else notices. I do it as unto the Lord because that is real faith. We also need to remember that God offers us wisdom as parents. He does not leave us high and dry, wondering um, what in the world, this, all the stuff that's going on around us, we don't know what to do. Uh, we don't know how to help. He's not leaving us without wisdom. We have a part to play, but we need to seek his heart for wisdom. James 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. Do you hear that? He's not a withholding God. He's a generous God. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. I have been the most unstable when I have prayed for wisdom, and yet I wasn't really listening and depending solely on God for wisdom. I was Googling this and researching that. Not that that's bad, but if God isn't compelling you and asking you to do that, Um, It can actually be a distraction and it can make us divided in our loyalty. We need to ask God for wisdom and trust that he's going to bring it to us. We need to point out to our children where God is working around us. Mr. Rogers said this beautifully. Um, He said to look for the helpers. Whenever there's a a situation that is um, just a, a a tragedy, Look for the helpers. Point out the people who are helping and blessing and bringing redemption and bringing beauty and and helping to um, bless people and bring this beauty to a broken world. That's what we're called to. And so point those people out to your children and to ourselves. You know, honestly, we are our greatest influence on us because we are always thinking all the time. We're always talking to ourselves more than anyone else talks to us. This is why it is absolutely crucial that we are telling ourselves the truth and we are interpreting what's going on around us um, through the grid of truth so that ultimately we are worshiping God. It's difficult sometimes as we look at our children and they're little, and they're young, and they're immature. And um, But I'm telling you, they grow up quickly, but it can be hard to see them as future warriors or to imagine how God will use them. But in God's good time, that's what will happen as we are faithful to our calling as parents. Our calling is to remain faithful to what God has called us too, as we parent and homeschool our kids. We're not patterning it after everybody else or comparing. We are doing what God has called us to do. It might look similar to somebody else in some areas, but it could look very, very different. Listen for the Lord's voice. Don't let yourself get wrapped up in what the world calls education. Now, let me explain. My fear is that 
this uh, distraction and preoccupation with uh, what we think education looks like or what the world is telling us education looks like is a huge distraction that comes straight from the enemy to keep us from preparing our kids for a future that they were made for. They, and, but they need to be trained for it. That's our job. I don't know about you, but this is why I homeschool. I believe it's important that our kids know reading, writing, math, history, science. It's part of how they get to know God and what prepares them for the future and what equips them to bring beauty and healing to a broken world. It will be part of what helps make them effective as Christian adults, but we cannot exchange those subjects for growing our kids in the grace and knowledge of God. And only you know when that's happening. You have to follow the Lord's lead, but remember his presence is there to guide you and he promises to give you wisdom. But it starts by setting the example of growing in our own relationship with God, sharing our faith with our kids as we walk alongside one another and modeling what true faith really looks like. You guys, it's not the it's not really the big, huge things. It's in the plotting. It's the little things. It's the day-to-day faith that we exhibit. Not perfect faith, but real faith. Are we overcome by anxiety and worry and stress? Or are we learning to trust in our good and gracious God? We share our need for Christ with our kids daily. When we mess up, we ask forgiveness from them and from God. We walk humbly while remaining confident in who God is. We stand firmly on his word as the final authority. Now, some of you, I wanna share this with you because it's something that happened this week. Some of you may have other Christians telling you that your kids should be salt and light in the public school. And I wanna take a minute to speak to that because I think that voice of condemnation can sometimes be heard when we're struggling in our homeschooling or we're wondering if we're doing the right thing by homeschooling. So I want to debunk that myth right here and now. I posted uh, this week on social media um, an image that said this. Um, I I can't remember. I think the guy's guy's name was Ron French. I want to give credit to him. But pastors and families often idealize the public school experience, calling it a mission field, quote unquote, and holding out hope that their children can be salt and light in a difficult environment. But the process of education largely involves one-way communication with the teachers and administration seeing the students as their secular mission field. Isolated young children are more vulnerable than powerful. And I've seen many parents come to grief as fully doctrinated, peer-pressured kids make mistakes with lifetime consequences. You guys... A dear friend of mine, my Titus II mom, told me once, if all you do, if you teach your children nothing and you keep them out of the public school system, you will have done them a favor. On my worst homeschool days, that is what I would remind myself of. And you know what? God was faithful. He was faithful. He covered over so many of my weaknesses in so many areas where I thought maybe we might lack. He filled in. So I want you to put that thought out of your mind. Um, because now more than ever, I, I didn't used to be quite as strong about this, but I feel so strongly about Christian parents bringing their children home to homeschool them for this very reason. Um, 
they are vulnerable there. They're, they, they're, it is one-way communication. And many, many parents have come to grief because of it. And I know there's some good schools out there. I get all of that. But I think on the whole, uh, that is the exception, not the rule. So I want to share this with you. I posted that about that one-way communication and isolated uh, children who are more, more vulnerable than powerful. And uh, a friend of mine, Rachel Carmen, you might know her. Um, she has a, a blog and she speaks at homeschool conferences and her husband and her own Apologia, the uh, curriculum. They have science and I think they're delving into other areas as well, but I want to give credit to her for this response to that image. It was beautiful. She just articulated this so well. Here's what she said. I hear stories all the time across the country from parents who can barely talk because of their broken hearts. They tell me stories of how their children begged them to homeschool and that they just ignored it like it was something all kids go through and need to learn to deal with only to discover that things were worse than they could ever have imagined. Their kids, their young quote-unquote missionaries who loved Jesus and knew their Awana verses didn't yet have the ability to communicate all the yuck that they were facing. Their immaturity inhibited them from being able to articulate all that they were being exposed to, all of the darkness that their little hearts were being infected by each day. Parents beg me to tell other students or other parents don't buy the idea that elementary or middle school or even high school students are ready for what is lurking in the public school classrooms or playgrounds or locker rooms. It's darker than any of us want to imagine. There isn't a mission organization that would accept a 10-year-old, much less a 6-year-old, as a missionary and place them into a hostile mission field. They are simply not able, not mature. In fact, they are vulnerable targets, easily preyed upon and overcome. We need to bring them home and disciple them the way that they should go. There is no value in toughening up our kids in the quote-unquote real world of public school unless we're willing to just sacrifice them unnecessarily. We need to do the hard work and train them in righteousness in the pattern of Deuteronomy 6. It is not easy, I know. We're in our 23rd year. Seven kids, five launched, two still at home. Lots of sacrifices and tears, but worth every moment. Moms and dads, this is, don't you love that? I I love what she had to say. But moms and dads, this is what we are protecting our kids from. It's how we are preparing them for the world that they will live in. We are giving them a fighting chance by choosing to keep them at home and not letting outside pressure make us doubt that conviction or how we believe we are to homeschool our kids. We need to take the time to listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit to pray over our kids Pray scripture over them. Stay on the same page as parents. Move forward boldly in our decision to raise up the next generation for him. We need to keep looking for where God is working. Look for the blessings. Look where we see his provision. And when we're tempted to fear or doubt, take that and become a prayer warrior for your kids and the world they're growing up in. And stand firm in the truth of the God we serve and in his deep, deep love for us. True hope can only be found in him. He has a good plan for us and a good plan for our kids. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the reminders from your word, God, of what a good and sovereign and loving God you are. Thank you that you have a purpose and a plan for us and for our children. God, give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Give us discernment. Show us what it looks like to raise these children for you. Father, thank you for loving us so deeply and so thoroughly, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.